Cousin Grace here with yet another episode of Long Grace. Thanks for joining us. We're so glad to uh, continue to have an audience every week. We, Lord and I were just talking about how we, uh, we're surprised that we, you know, we're still getting listeners. So thanks everybody for listening. And we have uh, an episode that I'm really excited for tonight. Um, tonight we are talking with Ronnie Gennati. Um, about art and some of his inspiration and stuff. Before we get into diving into that, we're going to jump up with our uh, question of the episode here, just to get the juices flowing. And Lauren's got a, a kind of unique question for us. So yeah, so what's, I, our, what's our question? <laughs> I was in Oregon this weekend visiting family and then also visiting a friend of mine, Megan, who lives in Portland. And she said she uses this question as an icebreaker when they hire new people or they have like team bonding events. So this one goes out to her and it is, if you were a potato, how would you want to be cooked and served? <laughs> and basically how would you want to be cut and cooked? <laughs> <laughs> so Grace, you should answer this <sighs> first. Okay. First of all, I love fries. Like it's, unhealthy how much I love fries so I'd probably have to be like a fry but not just like any old fry um if you're in the Utah area there's a restaurant called Chubby's and they have beer battered fries and something about those fries just speak to my soul so I would be a beer battered fry that's exactly (laughs) what I said I said specifically a beer about really? fries, so <laughs> we are two potatoes in a pod. <laughs> what are the odds? Are you serious, Lord? I'm serious. This so, was not uh, pre-planned, just so you know. That says something. I don't know what it says, but. Yeah. I don't know. What about uh, you, honey? All gratin. Oh yeah, I'd want slather that cheese all over me and and bake me in it. Yes, can't get enough. You're you're a little classy, little classy yet little country, little classy. Desirable. Yeah, it's like you can dress it up, dress it down. Um, Also, uh, my friend brought up the idea of tater tot nachos, and I'm like. Mm -hmm. That would be a good one too. Some tachos. <laughs> so, or like mashed What potatoes. does that say about you? Twice baked potatoes. I'm like, there's so many good ways to cook potatoes. But yeah, I oh, think yeah. I would stick with the fries. Potato skin stuffed with um, sour mm. cream and chives and bacon and cheese. I could go for that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You're making me hungry. <laughs> Well, now we know all know each other a well, little better. That was a good one. <laughs> I know. I'm still like in shock that uh that we had the same one, specifically like from like the same restaurant. There's like not there's like what two locations? It's not even like well, okay. I wasn't know. thinking that same restaurant, but I did say specifically like the thicker cut beer batter fries. So I've never been there. I guess I'll have to we should go there and eat fries. <laughs> yeah we should actually I was just thinking like wait you've never been there but I guess other places have beer battered fries okay anyway we don't need to spend the whole episode talking about french fries although I probably could (laughs) now on to you know 
other important matters. So as I mentioned earlier, our guest today is Ronnie Giannotti. Um, he is one of my favorite people to talk to. Um, he's such a fun, lighthearted, conversational person that has a lot of great perspective. Um, and, you know, prior to starting this uh, episode, I was realizing I don't think I've ever personally talked to him about his art. I've heard, you know, through chain of, of people about his art and how talented he is and some cool stories that I've heard, but I've never personally talked to him. So I'm really excited selfishly to get a chance to sit with him for an hour and talk about um, a part of him and who he is. So thank you so much for joining us, Ronnie. We are super excited to have you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate well, it. Of, of course, of course. Um, so just so our listeners can get to know you a little bit better. Um, Ronnie loved art as a kid, but you know, like most childhood dreams, you end up going with a traditional career path. <laughs> I think Lord and I can both uh, relate with that. Um, so he has a bachelor's of art in foreign language, is that right? And then an MBA in business. Um, he's the co-owner of an e-commerce consulting firm called Servo. Is that, am I saying that right? Yep. Servo Market. Okay, servo marketing and design. Um, and that's what I've kind of known you as, you know, doing marketing work is what I've traditionally um, heard. Um, he's been taking night school art classes for 15 years. Um, now at age 54, he's decided to leave behind his day job and pursue painting as a career. How exciting and exhilarating <laughs> and nerve wracking, I'm sure. <laughs> Indeed. Um, and this is, this is really cool. So he just signed with a gallery in New York, um, which we'll talk a little bit about today in our episode. He sells his work regularly and has been published in several magazines. So yeah. this is just the beginning. I feel like there's a lot to talk about, but is there anything else, Ronnie, you'd like to add or expand on from your, your bio there? No, I think that pretty much covers it. Um, I paint, I grew up in Detroit, uh, but I, now live in San Francisco and uh, that's where I have my studio here. Okay. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, also, another thing, you're like pretty good at yoga, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I've been, and it's kind of part of the art story, so which we can get into, but yeah, I've been doing yoga for about 30 years now. Yeah, pretty regularly. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, where do you want to start? I mean, there's there's a lot of different questions, but is there anything specific you'd like to start the conversation with? Um, well, I guess I could give just a quick little background um, to follow up on that bio. But um, yeah, I, like you said, I started, I had an entire life um, following a traditional career path. So my you know, I grew up in Detroit. My grandparents were immigrants from Italy and they grew, they were very poor when they came here. Like I think they had $27 to their name. And they instilled in my parents that idea that, you know, you need to get a good job. You need to work for a corporation you're, you're, that who will take care of you your entire life. You'll get a steady salary. You'll get health insurance, you know, let someone else be the guide, the big destinies. You just put your head down and work and, and, you know, that will be your life. And so my parents are very, very much that way. And they both worked for the same companies pretty much their entire life. So that's what they instilled in us. And I was this very artistic kid. I wanted to uh, paint. 
I wanted to um, do gymnastics. I wanted to do yoga. And, you know, nobody ever heard of that in 1960s uh, Detroit, Michigan. So, you know, it was pretty... (laughs) And, you know, parents know what they know. And, and so they were very much pushing me now, you need to be a doctor or a lawyer, you have the brain for it, you know, you don't want to be you don't need to work with your hands, you need to work with your brain. So that was, that was kind of what uh, I was inculcated with growing up. So um, I have, I've had an entire career um, in uh, marketing and marketing uh, financial instruments. Um, I worked for 20 years marketing um, credit cards and uh, business loans and um, things like that um, for fintech companies and that's financial tech companies. Um, and so it, it wasn't until the past like, gosh, in 2000, I had been at a fintech startup here in Silicon Valley and I was miserable. I was just flipping miserable. And my options vested. So when you start, they give you some stock options that take like four years to be worth anything. And on the the four year and day one, when they're all worth something, I quit. And (laughs) I took that money and I moved to Paris. And I spent a year in Paris um, studying art and going to galleries and going to museums and spending entire weeks in the Louvre. And, and, it, and it prompted this crisis. And um, I realized that what I wanted to do was art. Um, I did not know how to do it, how to get there, how to be successful at it, but I knew that that's what I wanted to do. So that started a series of a chain of events that kind of got me to where I am now by degrees. Of course, it's taken 21 years to actually get to to finally focusing full time on art, but I started the process 20 years ago. Um, I had read a book that said that the, the people, people who are most successfully able to go from a career they just don't like to a career they absolutely love are uh, do it by degrees. They don't take a giant leap from you know uh, A to, to X, they go A to B to C and so because I couldn't afford to do jump to X, I decided to try this ABC path. And so I got a job back in Silicon Valley, um, working in financial tech stuff again, but it had more of a creative bent. And I was on a team that did a lot of email marketing. We did banner design and development. We did email design and development. And so I was starting to get incorporate that um, artistic qualitative aspect, creative aspect into what I was doing. It wasn't just analytics like it had been. And from there, I did that for a couple of years. And then in 2004, I decided to take a next little step, a bigger step. And I left the company and I started a creative agency with a friend of mine. And we still have that creative agency. Um, we help companies launch products. We help companies launch new features. Everything from, I like to write. So everything from uh, finding, figuring out who their, their competitive mix is and then how they can position their product in such a way that you know, they get a competitive advantage over those competitors. 
um, you know, do market research with the market wants, we'll do messaging testing. And we'll, from that, from there, we also take it to the product design, what it looks like, um, what the logo should look like, what their website should be, what the user experience on the website is, um, and then help them launch the product, do email marketing. So, you know, what messages resonate better? You can test all that. What colors in an email resonate better? You can test all that in a matrix with the messaging. Um, it's very fun. And so we've built this agency up over the past 17 years and it has fed uh, even more of that creative, you know, uh, need in me. Uh, and so as this has been going on the past 15 years, my business partner and I started taking night courses painting because he's a fine artist too. And, you know, it really clicked. So, um, I, you know, I've always had it to be a dream then ever since my very first time I picked up a paintbrush um, that one day I would have a second career out of painting and uh, making art and selling art. And so that is where I am right now. Now, like 20 years later, I'm finally going to make that step. And I'm, I'm scaling back down to almost nothing, my uh, partnership in the creative agency. And I'm gonna give myself a year to focus on painting and see if, if I can make any money at it. And, you know, and we'll go from there and we'll see what happens. So yeah, that's it. That's awesome. How exciting. How are you feeling about that change? I mean, it's yeah. been years in the making, but how, how are you? Totally, totally nervous. Um, you know, I'm excited. I'm, you know, after all this time, I built up a level of uh, income that I will, <laughs> won't have being an artist, you know, probably if if you can make a five salary living at, at being an artist, you're doing great. Um, so I hope I can manage that. Um, but uh, yeah. I, I, Pretty scared and also you know when you're young you make these leaps you just you don't think about the ramifications you're braver and now that i'm in my 50s i'm i'm a little uh yeah i'm a little uh uh scared frankly but but i think the upside i'm also exhilarated so you know the, the upside is is going to be there um well, I'm super excited for you. Um, you just recently signed with a gallery in New York, from I what did. I've understood. Is that tell yeah. us a bit about that? Yes. So, as part of the, this is like, I'm going to sound like a grandpa, but as part of the work I'm doing right now, I am helping a company launch an influencer program, um, and. As part of that, I learned all about hashtags, which I had no idea how you use them. And I started applying them to my art. And lo and behold, like a week after I started doing that, I got a call from a gallery in New York. Um, and they had seen my art online and they wanted to know if I'd be interested in speaking with them. So we, we had a couple calls and they seemed like really cool people. And they really seemed like they wanted to support their artists. And they have a very fair pricing uh, structure. And um, so, you know, after a couple of calls, I thought, yeah, this, you know, this is the right thing to do. And it's a completely a dream come true for me because, you know, to get an art, uh, art gallery in Manhattan, in Chelsea to represent you is, you know, lots of artists dream about that. Um, so that feels 
freaking amazing. Um, and yeah, I, I haven't sold anything through them yet, but we're working on it and they're helping me do a whole social media strategy and it's been uh, a great learning experience. So. That's so cool. Yeah. New York, like everybody wants their stuff in New York, right? <laughs> totally. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of the center of the art world right now. Well, that's awesome, Ronnie. I'm super excited for you. And it's, you know, dreams do come true. <laughs> Hashtag dreams come true. Yeah. yeah, using hashtags, I'm like, we need to be better about that. I keep thinking about how we should use more hashtags in our social media. It's crazy. <laughs> crazy. I thought nobody ever like clicks on those hashtags, but apparently they do. So yeah. Yeah. Right? You just yeah. never know how people are going to find your stuff. Um yeah. Do you, I feel like a lot of artists don't like to put themselves in a box, but how would you kind of describe the art that you do? Yeah, um, I would say primarily uh, abstract expressionism, um, lyrical abstraction. Um, I like to paint uh, big, um, so large scale painting is, is what I love because you can get your entire body in it and you know paint with your with your brushes with your hands with your feet with with you know your knees um i i love the immediacy of all of that so yeah i'd say but abstract is is mainly what i do what is it about art or specifically painting that you're drawn to like what what about that pulls you in yeah um the reason why i paint is the same reason I do yoga, that I meditate, and that I pray. And it is to get me closer to touching the divine, for lack of better explanation. When I'm making art, time ceases to exist. There, there is no time. It's not like it stops. It's just not a concept anymore. I lose all sense of any hunger I might have. I won't, I don't eat for 12 hours. Um, I lose all my aches and pains. Like I had surgery on my foot. I've been walking on it for eight hours, which I'm not supposed to, but I just, the pain goes away when I paint. Um, I forget about the world. I forget about its problems. I forget about my problems for hours on end. Um, and, and a lot of artists say the same thing I find. Um, so it gets, it gets me out of my head and it, because it gets me out of my head like nothing else, it saves me. And in like that saving me, that's where it's kind of touching the divine where I'm bumping up against the divine. You know, it's, it's the closest I've ever come to communing with my higher power, um, with as anything that I've ever been involved in, religion included. So um, yeah, I mean, I'm very clear about why I make art. It is like no other conduit to, to the, to the divine is all I can say um, that I've ever experienced. I like does that. that. Sound, that is truly... <laughs> does, say, does that sound corny? No, that. No, I have goosebumps. <laughs> I would say soul. I <laughs> like that because I try traditional meditation, and I've realized that I need to be doing something while I meditate, or doing something meditative, however you want to describe it. And the other day, I decided I was gonna try and paint and I haven't for a really long time and it was like all this I had a friend helping me and all of a sudden it was midnight and I was like oh I just like 
enjoyed myself for a few hours and that's okay. <laughs> exactly. That's exactly it. Yeah. Like I, I was stressed about work or whatever else. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, I mean, just to be totally like blunt, I, you know, I used to do use uh, cannabis for that. And, you know, that was just a dead end for me. And now I use art for that. And it is, it is a real connection. It's not just an escape. So that's, it's, it, that's why I do it. Yeah. What would you say is, is your inspiration? Like as you're, you know, working on these pieces, what's your inspiration? Yeah, my, my inspiration, as I allude to, just, it's mainly, you know, it helps keep me sane. But the themes, like the things that I paint about, usually tend to cover experiences, uh, those kind of life-changing, personality-altering experiences that we all have growing up that are like always there with you, just in your subconscious, you know, they're like the they're like stones in your shoes that you can't get rid of and they're always nagging. And so I try to get those kind of, those experiences that I had out of me and get them onto a canvas. And so I can like, I can pin them to that canvas like a butterfly on a board and I can examine them and examine those traumas on my terms and not let them uh control me anymore um if that makes any kind of sense so for example you know the i've done a lot of painting around um i was raised catholic a lot of issues around being raised catholic i finds its way into my work um I had a brother-in-law who passed away unexpectedly that kind of that finds its way in, into a work. Um, I had a very sickly childhood. Um, I was very much a loner kid. Um, I had lots of bullying in high school. All of that finds its way out onto my canvases. Um, you know, I moved to San Francisco in the 80s and half of my friends died within like two years of being here. That finds its way into my work. Um, my first sex, sexual experience with a woman, that uh, finds its way into my work. Uh, first sexual experience with a man, that finds its way into my work. So all of those kind of, wow, your life, you, you, when you've had that experience in your life, you're like, oh, wow, this was very important to my growth and development, you know, be it positive or negative. That's the kind of thing that I'm really interested in conveying. And my goal is that, you know, my hope is that for myself is to get them out in, into the world so I can deal with them. But my goal for my viewers is not to understand what prompted a particular painting like, oh, dude was, you know, going through some serious stuff when he painted that. But more, I'm hoping that the viewers will grok, you know, will get on a very uh, personal, deep level immediately a sense of the trauma and the feelings and the responses that an individual was going through. And then hopefully they can, hopefully if it's successful, they feel those same things and maybe they can apply them to traumas that they've had in their lives. If that makes any kind of sense. Yeah, I think that's, first of all, that's a lot that you've been through. I wanna acknowledge okay. that. <laughs> It's amazing that you have been able to take all that loss in your life and turn it into literally art. 
Um, Do you feel like it's helped you process some of those things? Yeah, for sure. Totally. Um, And yeah, it's, um, you know, they say praying is talking to God and meditating, or in my case, painting is listening to God. And so when I'm painting, you know, I, I get his take on the things that I'm, that I've experienced through my painting, you know, and it gives me a perspective on them uh, and a way to look at them that I can't do on my own, you know, with my ego. Um, And it's, it is almost like, you know, God is saying, this is what happened and this is what you were feeling and this is why you felt it. And this is why you've now coming to a resolution on it. Um, And you know, this is how you can be of service to others by um, uh, giving them something that hopefully they can relate to. Have I'm you, like almost in tears over here. <laughs> I know. I feel like you are like you encapsulate like a chunk of history that people always hear about, but mm. you were there living, living that ex- those exact things being in San Francisco at that time. That's yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, but every artist, you know, has their own sets of of every person has their own sets of experiences and traumas and uh, uh, moments of grace that they can get out and share and express and and connect with other humans that way. So, yeah. Do you have an experience of somebody um, interpreting your work and and sharing that with you? what it meant to them? Wow, that's a really good question. I have not yet. Um, I have not. I have not been um, had the opportunity to sit down with somebody who wanted to talk at length about you know what what they were feeling as they as they saw one of my paintings. I would love that for sure. <laughs> Mostly, it's like, wow, that's really pretty. Okay, thanks. You know. <laughs> that looks like a mouse oh thanks yeah you know it's my nephews (laughs) what is that (laughs) do you have a a a piece that is particularly meaningful to you a few I have one that I'm staring at right now it's behind the camera and it's a very happy memory it's called there are no ducks on duck lake so when we were kids, we'd go to my cousins, my brother and I, and we'd go to my cousin's house on Duck Lake in winter, and we'd play hockey. And it'd always be dark gray and cloudy, and this is in Michigan. Um, there'd be like dead reeds sticking out of the ice. There would be, you know, we would shovel the snow off the ice and make a rink, and it would be freezing cold. And, and it was such a wonderful memory, but we never saw a single duck in all the years we were going there. And so um, when I stare at this painting, it's a very winter painting. You look at it and think it might be very severe and depressing, but it makes me very happy. Um, And then I am working on a painting right now um, that is uh, six feet tall by 20 feet wide. And it is called Gethsemane. And I called it that because ever since I was a kid, you know, it, when in Catholic school, you read all about Jesus all the time. And, you know, I was always mesmerized that this guy could be God and be a human at the same time in that that duality of being mortal and being 
more than mortal, always blew my mind. And so for the past, on and off for the past seven or eight years, I've been working on this piece. And it's all about what the hell was Jesus going through the night he was in Gethsemane praying, the night before he got arrested. You know, was he terrified? Was he elated? Was he thinking, oh my gosh, I'm just a man. What am I doing? Was he thinking, I'm totally God and I'm gonna, you know, come back and I'm gonna found a religion. Like what was going through this guy's head while the apostles were sleeping, you know, 10 feet away. And so it's an abstract of Gethsemane, the garden and kind of abstracted figures of what, of, you know, maybe, Jesus praying or uh, freaking out or laying prostate or, you know, vision of himself rising, uh, being on the cross. Um, so uh, it, it's, it's the most important painting I've, I've ever worked on. It's taken eight years. Um, and I'm hoping it's almost finished. I think I might have another year left in it. And then I really hope to enter it in some exhibitions when, once it's done. Um, but I think that whole, the whole just, you know, we are all part mortal. We are all have a spark of the divine in us. And so, you know, I think we can all relate on some level to what Jesus must have felt that night, you know, before the, before things got set in motion, that, that night where, you know, it was at that, at that inflection point where his life was about to change. So um, it's kind of extrapolating like what I do with my own inflection points and, and to think like, God, what was this man going through? Like that no one else has, has gone through. So, yeah. So, sorry, that's rambling, but that is, I, you know, a very special painting to me. I'm excited to see that. That sounds really cool. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, thanks. I'll send you a link. It's on my website. I think um, that's one thing that art can really capture this, especially abstract art, this idea that so many emotions can exist at mm -hmm. once, right? It's hard to put that into words or into a more realistic painting, but I think that's like a strength that abstract art has. Uh, I agree hundred percent. Yep. I mean, I, I love representational art and I'm, I'm pretty good. I'm not great at it. You know, and I have friends who love to do representation, like photorealistic, and it's fantastic. For me, though, and and it can convey emotions. I think photorealism, yeah. obviously, but um, for me, like you said, you can convey a mix of conflicting emotions in one piece um, with abstraction. That is a lot harder to do with something that's not abstract. That made me think of something um, on your website that I read, where um, you talk about, you know having this marketing background you're use, constantly using words right but it, yeah. over time they can kind of I think you use the word nauseate you you know like yeah um, exactly how, how is art different like I'd love for you to expand yeah. a little on that yeah so um yeah after a day of spewing marketing speak you know words have come to nauseate me I'm just I can't watch a single commercial Fortunately, with, with TiVo, you don't have too much anymore. Um, but words just, you know, words, and, and every poet, every, that's why there's poetry, is they get around the normal process of, of structuring words to try to short circuit the defective linguistic processes we have when we communicate and, and go about it in, in an oblique way, hoping to get closer to the, the essence of what they mean. And that's why I like art, because, you know, if, if, if I, 
if I make a declarative sentence, it might have shades of meaning I'm intending that you don't pick up on, or you might pick up on shades of meaning I didn't know I was giving it, that whole you know, defective process. Um, I think when you get rid of words and you use poetry or you use art, abstract or otherwise, you kind of, you avoid that trap of language. There are other traps you fall into as an artist, but you avoid that trap of language that causes so much angst in the world. So yeah, that's that's why I like, you know, I prefer communicating with with visuals rather than, you know, writing a book or something. Does that make sense? Yes, as a writer, yeah. I feel that deeply. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's, yeah, I'm a copywriter. Apple. It's true. Yeah. By the end of the day, I'm like, words have no meaning anymore. And they change, <laughs> right? Like with slang and and, and there's so many ways that words just mean different things and when you put them together, but you think you're communicating clearly right. and it just, yeah, sometimes I'm like, I can't, I don't want to try to word anymore. <laughs> exactly. No more words. I'm done. Yeah. yeah. And that's one of the things with art, at least from a consumer's experience is like, you can look at a painting or, you know, a, a different type of art. And it can speak to you without using any words, you know, like, but it can speak to your soul and it could say something totally different to somebody else, but yet it can still have a profound impact. Like, I I, I don't, I think that's one thing I really enjoy about art itself is what it tells you. Exactly. Yeah. And, and like I said, you know, I could have made a painting about, uh, you know, my, uh, you know, what an experience that you would have no idea that I'm what I'm painting about, but hopefully you're going through something right now that it helps you deal with that, you know? And so that by that way, you completely like short circuited that linguistic process and you made a connection with somebody directly and, you know, you conveyed something exactly. And at least that's always the goal, you know, whether or not I can actually do that is a different question. But, you know, somebody like, I think, a lot of abstract artists I think have been able to do that and I really do think like Rothko with his just big washes of color was able to do that to communicate um, emotions directly so yeah do you have um other artists that are kind of your well not inspiration what's the word yeah yeah yeah. inspiration Inspiration. like like, who are some of your who, who are some of your models that you look to yeah um my favorite, uh, my favorite painter of all time is Joan Mitchell. She uh, painted from the 50s to the 90s. And um, she was from Chicago, painted in New York um, with the abstract group. She was considered like a, the second generation of abstract painters and then spent the rest of her life in Paris painting. And there's nobody that I've ever come across that is a more uh, natural um, colorist she understands color better than any other artist i've ever seen um and and color fascinates me because it's such a key ingredient in in emotions um you know and she just nails it she she can like add shades of 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 nuance to uh an emotional complexity in her work just by varying the color you know one little bit i mean she's incredible she was incredible um so yeah, definitely her. And then there's people like I, Led Zeppelin is my biggest inspiration for painting. I just 
I listen to their discography every time I paint, you know, so it comes from a bunch of different sources. Good old Led Zeppelin. <laughs> um, do you have any story, uh, like any stories, good or bad, that have about any particular pieces of artwork or just, you know, life lessons you've learned along the way from from painting? Yeah, I would say um, life lessons. Um, I, um, you know, I would say that don't compare is a good one. Um, like when you're just starting out and, and you're, in a, you're, you know, you, you compare your stuff, you try to copy others. It's great to copy others to, to learn, but at the end of the day, you've got to make it your own. So um, don't be afraid to strike out and do something yourself. Um, don't expect miracles. Um, you know, you think painting is an exercise in patience. It's going to take years to be a competent painter. Um, and you, it's all about the process. It's not about the result. So, you know, uh, there's, um, uh, losing, uh, losing my, uh, train of thought, but don't expect a masterpiece, I guess is where I'm going with that for, for, for a long time, if ever, it's all about the process. So you did a bad painting, put it down. You did a great painting. Good for you. Put it down, pick up a new canvas, keep going. Um, you know, that, that's what it's about. It really is about the journey. So, um, you know, uh, and another good piece of advice I've learned along the way is that a painting isn't really good unless it's been ruined. So don't be afraid to do a bold stroke or, or add a garish color that you don't think is going to work. Safe paintings may be pretty, but ultimately they're rather soulless. And it's those ones that have taken the risks that are that become have the potential to become truly great. Um, yeah, so that's kind of my my the learnings I've had as I go through painting, um, and you just you just stick with it. Um, one of yeah, that's it. That's good advice. I would say like that sounds uh, applicable to life in general. Just yeah. like, you know, <laughs> totally, yeah. exactly. And you know what? That is really applicable. I actually learned that in yoga. It's like so you did a bad warrior. You fell out of your warrior three forget about it. Do a bow. You're done. You did a great warrior three. Forget about it. Take a bow. You're done and move on. You know, it's, it's, it's the most things in life are that way. Oh, Ronnie, this has been so fun. I've truly, I've truly uh, have felt some the feels during this, this uh, episode. For, great. Um, here's, here's a fun question for you. So how would, uh, how would you describe your studio? You know, every artist has their own quirks or things like that. How what would you what would you say your your studio is like? The vibe. Um, I I had a, a painting professor who said that the definition of a studio is a place you don't have to clean up. That is, that's it. And so that is how I follow <laughs> my my studio is is a mess. You know, there's paint on the walls, there's paint on the floors, uh, <laughs> there's tubes lying around, half squeezed. You know, there's there's uh, uh, two dozen canvases lying around in various states of being ruined. There's, uh, yeah, so um, I do not run a tight, uh, an orderly ship. It's a mess. It's a mess, <laughs> like my mind, so. 
as a disorganized person, I like that. You like that. Yeah. <laughs> You're in good company. Um, tell us a little bit more about your yoga practice and what got you into that at, at a time when nobody else was really doing it. Yeah, so, so when I was a little kid, there was this show on TV called Lila's Yoga and You. This was in like 1972. And I was, as I mentioned, I had, I, I had asthma and severe allergies. So I had to stay inside all, the, all summer. And so I found her, you know, like, what, the, what is she doing? She was contorting her legs in these weird things. So I started doing it. So ever since like I was a kid, I had this fascination with yoga. And, in Detroit in the 70s, besides Delilah, there's no chance to take classes. So finally, as an adult, when I moved to California, I started taking classes and I found that much like painting, and it was pre-painting, I got out of my head completely doing yoga. Didn't think about anything else but breathing, but the breath, you know? And that, and you know, so I started doing it over and over and I took a 200 hour teacher training and I, realized that all the good in my, that was flowing out of my life was flowing from yoga. And it was in yoga in that my mind was clear and I was able to, you know, let my mind do what it needs to do without the clutter for 90 minutes a day, every day. So, um, yeah, so that's kind of why I got into it to stay sane, you know, just like with painting. And, it, and I honestly think it, it's something that everybody should do on some level. This is a sign I needed because I'm like, I know I need to do more yoga. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, both like mentally and physically. I'm like, it helps so much when I do do it. But yeah, it does. And I mean, all of the asanas, all of the poses and the flows, the only reason you're doing them is to get to that state at the end of Shavasana where your brain can just be completely, at, you know, at rest in the blank. And, and I think I find that fascinating. And you also get to build muscle and tone. but you know, that is not the end in, end in and of itself. It's to build muscle. It's to, it's for your mind. Is there anything else you would like um, to share with our audience? I would say, don't be afraid of art. I know so many people who everyone's like, I can't even draw a stick figure. Well, you know, if you have the desire to try to draw, go draw, take a class. Everybody take a class. Um, there's some basics around drawing and particularly around painting that will make your life so much easier. Take, take intro to art. They show you how to set up your palette. They show you, you know, the difference between acrylics and oils. They show you color theory. All of that stuff you need to know to, to, to paint. And once you have those tools, you'll have so much more confidence to go out and and try to, even if you don't paint, you just take those tools and you apply them to the rest of your life. There's still uh, a lot to be had there. And explore your creativity. Don't be afraid of your creativity. It seems like it, it's not very valued in our society right now. And it's probably one of the reasons why it took me so long to go from a financial background career <laughs> to now being a creative. And I even like, I still kind of go, ooh. I'm not an artist, you know, I make paintings um, because our society has put all those like weird connotations on it, but I guess I am an artist and should be proud of that. Um, so go out and be creative people. That would be my dream for you. Oh, one other thing, Picasso said, Picasso said to that end, 
Um, the purpose of art is to wash the dust of daily life off our souls. And so, you know, I think that is a great way to end this. Go and wash that dust, that daily dust off your soul. So it, it, you can have a clean soul. Um, and art is the way to do it. Either looking at it or doing it. Yeah. Love that. So beautiful. What a, yeah, what a great way to, uh, to wrap this up. Well, Ronnie, where can our listeners go to find your artwork? Um, I have a website. It is ronnieginotti.com. R-O-N-N-I-E-G-E-N-O-T-T-I.com. ronnieginotti.com. And Agora Gallery. The name of the gallery in, in New York is Agora. A-G-O-R-A hyphen gallery.com. And I'm on there. Awesome. Well, we'll put those both of those links in our show notes so our listeners can go there and... Um, go to check out your artwork. Um, Ronnie, I know for, for me personally, this has been um, very um, emotional in a good way for me. I feel like I have continued to gain respect and admiration for you. And, and I truly appreciate your vulnerability, your honesty, and just you have a beautiful soul. And thank you so much you for are. sharing that with us today. Um, yeah, Thank I've, you. I've truly, I've, I've loved this. Yeah, you affirmed a lot of things I've been thinking about in my own life and my own creative endeavors. So I appreciate that. Oh, no, thank you both. That's so sweet. I'm, I am glad to have helped. And thank you for having me on here. It was really fun to talk about it. I just, this is the most uh, at length that I've ever talked about my art and art in general. So. That's great. Thank you. We'll get used to it because you're going to get famous and people are going to want you to speak all over. (laughs) I certainly hope so. We had had the uh, exclusive interview. So one day we'll look back and be like, we had this exclusive. So thank you everybody for spending your time with us for a little bit. We hope that this has been um, inspiring for you and go check out his artwork and Everyone have a blessed day. Thanks, everyone.